Welcome. You're listening to the Grow Ortho Podcast, presented by HIP. This podcast is dedicated to orthodontists who want to stand strong in their market and be leaders in their community. Now, on to today's show. Before we dive in, I need to ask everybody's permission with something. Two questions. All right? First and foremost, do we have permission to be completely and totally direct and candid with you guys today? I'm not going to hurt anybody's feelings. If we do, if we do hurt your feelings, talk to Dr. Ben. He's great at this. He had a, <laughs> We've already I heard he had a patient him. yesterday. <laughs> no, 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 no. So we can be candid, yeah? All right, next question. This is the big one. Can we get you guys to agree to play full out with us today? What do I mean by play full out? No, not role play. Play, <laughs> play full out. What does full out mean? If I say, let's give a round of applause, will you guys follow instructions and give a round of applause? All right. If I say, if I say everybody stand up, will we stand up and get a little bit of energy in the room? There's going to be a couple slackers. They won't. Yeah, right? we got to get, got to get but the energy. This, this is really important for this, for this to work. I need you guys to be able to play full out. Do I have your commitment? Say aye. Aye. What are we talking about today? I mean, whether it's from the Fishbine team, you know, whether it's from us, what are we talking about here? We're talking about how do we, how do we get better, right? How do we unlock our potential? So my question to everybody in the room is who here feels like they have reached and exhausted their full potential when it comes to business, life, relationships, health, Who's reached and exhausted their full potential? That's good. I would hope that that would be the answer. That's why we're here, right? We're here to get better. So if anybody's ever been on a call with me, a training with me, you guys know I love to nerd out on good quotes. So we have to start with a quote of the day. I'm not sure if anybody's ever heard of Zig Ziglar. I think he's one of the greatest sales trainers to walk the face of the earth. It's one of my favorite quotes from Zig. He says, people often say that motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. And that is why we recommend it daily. So some of these concepts that we're going to talk about today, growth, challenges, potential, mindsets, these are not new concepts. Everybody has heard these things before, right? But you didn't shower last night and go, oh, well, we don't have to do that today because we showered before, right? So that's what we're going to talk about. Hopefully we can give you guys some perspective, some nuggets, some pearls, whatever you want to call it, call it and, uh, and take them home. What are we talking about? How do we unlock our potential? I think what this means to me is unlocking our potential. What does this mean is how do we have a breakthrough? And if breakthrough is too, uh, too much energy for you, what is a breakthrough when you boil it down? A breakthrough to me is simply just making a decision to make some sort of change. If you make the decision to stop eating pizza all day and eat a salad, <laughs> you're gonna have a breakthrough in three months, six months, right? What, what was that? It was just a decision to make change. So how do we have a breakthrough? How do we make the decision? How do we make change? The first concept is an acronym. It is CANI, that's the acronym, CANI. What does it stand for? Constant and never ending improvement. You guys ever heard of Abe Lincoln? 
You guys? Hope so. If you haven't, do some history. I'm a result of the public school system. I had to check, but... Um, but seriously, you guys ever heard that saying? Abe Lincoln said, if I had six hours to chop down a tree, does anybody know the answer? I sp Give it up it for is. our local dentist, Dr. Marcus. I don't know if you guys could hear him, but Abe Lincoln said, if I had six hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend four hours sharpening the ax, right? So hopefully we can be your iron today and help you sharpen the axe. Now, when it comes to a breakthrough, there's three steps to having a breakthrough, making a decision, making change. Three things. Number one is your strategy. What's the strategy that you're implementing? Second one is the story that you're telling yourself. What story are you telling yourself on why you can or why you can't? And the third one is your state, your physical state. What state are you in? You an energy sucker, you energy giver. Strategy, story, and state. My question to you guys, and please give me some answers, out of those three things, your strategy that you have, the story that you tell yourself, and the state that you operate in, what is the number one most important when it comes to having a breakthrough? Is it your strategy that you have? Is it the story you tell yourself, or is it the state? Story, state, anybody? Strategy, anybody? Nobody. Interesting. Who says story? Okay. Save that. That's what I said. Who says strategy? Who says state? All right. Let's do an exercise. Everybody, stand up real quick. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Did anybody see some of you people get out of a chair? I, I, it's like a chore. All right, he said, stand up. I guess I'll stand up. Sit down. Let's try this again. Sit down. That was, it was, that was pitiful. If that was your new patient consult, nobody would start treatment. Now let's try this again. Everybody stand up. Now everybody Better. shake your body out a little bit, get some blood moving, maybe give a high five to somebody next to you. And then the person next to you, the person next to you, I want you to look at the person next to you, look them right in the eye and say, you freaking rock, go. All right. Now, all jokes aside, all jokes aside, does anybody feel better right now than when you were sitting down at your desk drinking a Coca-Cola hunched over. <laughs> Say I if you feel better right now. I. So if we live in this kind of state, mm -hmm. do you think if we're operating here that we might tell ourselves a better story on why we can do something or why we can't do something? And if we start operating with a better story, do you think that's gonna affect the type of strategy that we implement in our business? Yes? You ever see these people with poor strategies? Look at their state. They're hunched over. This isn't gonna work. This is, oh, this, won't, this won't work in my office. Well, what story are you gonna tell yourself? 
What strategy are you going to roll with? All right? So go ahead, guys. Sit down. Thanks for playing along. All righty. That's, that's it. Just kidding. Now, I'm going to pass this to Luke in a moment, but done. I firmly believe that if you want to change the story you tell yourself, you want to change your strategy, be cognizant of the state that you live in. If anybody's had the pleasure to operate or talk to or engage with any of the Fishbine team, what's the common denominator? Everybody's got a big smile. Everybody's happy to talk state. to you. They're in a good state. Look at the strategy in their business. What came first? Doc, Dr. Ben sitting in a chair with a blanket on, not moving. <laughs> but, but, uh, right? But if you guys have met Dr. Ben, Dr. Ben's got an incredible state. He tells himself a good story and look at what has turned around. So if you guys take anything, be cognizant of the state that you're operating in when it's time to start making changes in strategy. If anybody's been on a call with me, you notice I always stand like 90% of the time. It's very intentional. I'm in a better state when I'm standing on a call. So when he doesn't stand, I tell him. Lugal tells me, up. he goes, you got that. Time to get back up. You got that slow duty state today is what he tells me. <laughs> All right, so how do you step up your game? Really, this is your inner game. Uh, I think the first time I heard this was John Maxwell and he says there's two uh, sides to each person. Okay, it doesn't mean we're bipolar, at least I hope not. <laughs> um, but I'll give you a simple analogy. I wake up at five o'clock, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, me, Harrison, Matt, and one other guy do a workout. Our trainer's name is Grenade. I don't Boom. know if that gives us more cool points. Grenade's got great state. Grenade's got a great state. I call him the Black Tony Robbins of workouts. <laughs> um, but uh, who here has done something like this and you tell yourself, you know what? I'm just not gonna get up today. I don't feel like it, right? I've done it. Matt, I've probably done it 15 times the past two years, maybe. But it's really about averages, right? If you wanna see results, you may do it 5% of the time, but if you're able to do it 95% of the time, what, what's the result gonna be, right? And so John Maxwell says, um, there's, he's writing books for those of you who don't know, he's big on leadership, writes leadership books, speaks on stage. Um, he is either coming up with a book, writing a book, or finishing a book all the time. And so he wakes up at like 4 a.m. to do this, and he always has this voice in his head that says, hey, John, you don't need to do another book. You already have like 200 bestsellers. Why do another one? And I think it goes back actually to this quote. Um, you got to love what you do. Why does he keep doing it? What's, it, what's John Maxwell's why? You got to love what you do. He may not love waking up that early, but does he love the result when somebody comes up to him and says, hey, I read your books, I heard you on stage, I changed my life. For those of you who go to the gym, once you get the body moving and the blood flowing, do you love what you're doing? You know, you're still telling yourself in bed, like, oh, I didn't wanna get up, why am I doing this? A lot of times, I, honestly, I tell myself that like every day. I'm like, don't get up. I don't wanna get up. And then I'm like, get up, get your feet on the floor, and, and a big part of that is I know how I'm going to feel. Now, you guys, for those of you local, you got to come check out this house we've like turned into this like health facility. We're kind of crazy. Um, but something that we added to it is cold plunging, right? And like, you don't want to get in 48 degrees ever. Nope. <laughs> Why would you do, do it? Because you love the feeling and the result that you're going to have afterwards. So really your biggest opponent is in the mirror. It's not your competitor down the street. Oh, I can't grow because 
this competitor, he's just taken all my business. Well, how many people can you actually help? 500. 500, okay. Two million people There's here. There's two million people. I'm pretty sure it's not your competitor, it's you, right? When hip couldn't grow, really for the first four years, oh, we just can't hire good people. That's why we can't grow. Well, really, I had to look in the mirror and the problem was me. I sucked, so I hired sucky people, right? I had to change me, seriously. And you can talk to the people, you know, now we've been going for nine years. We really started growing in 2018. And then COVID was like this for us. So mindset, you got to believe you can improve. If you don't believe you can improve, very few people are going to come alongside of you and believe in you and tell you you can improve. But when you do believe and you have this state, is it contagious? When you get around people and they believe that they can improve and do big things, you're like, man, yeah, I got to be around Harrison or I got to be around Amanda because like that rubs off on people. It's contagious. You got to have discipline. It's not going to be overnight. Oh, we've been doing hip marketing. Uh, you know, they've been working with them. They've been running our ads for three weeks. It's <laughs> not working. Kill it. I don't have a $10 million practice yet. I but... literally had somebody the day after we launched a campaign, kill everything, doesn't work, bad leads. So Discipline, you gotta stick to your commitments. Mike Tyson said, discipline is doing what you hate to do, but doing it like you love it. Do you always wanna call that problem patient or you know, that person who might be a bad patient and this might be a tough phone call? Guess what, you have a chance to wow them, to make their day special. Mike Tyson probably didn't like waking up at 3 a.m., running every morning, I think he ate steak every single meal for like 10 years, it was like steak and noodles. Probably didn't love doing that, but when he got in the ring and got the knockout, do you think he loved the, the result? Give me some more steak. Pretty sure he did. How do you step up your, your game? Lastly, adaptability. Some of you guys have already seen this today. Oh, we gotta change what we do for same day starts, or we gotta change the way we present fees and our conversion rate, or maybe the clinic or the flow or the patient experience, whatever. Are you actually gonna go home and implement because that's where it happens. And so, you know, hip years ago, we had to be ready to pivot. When what we were doing didn't work to serve us to grow to the next level, we had to pivot and change. Challenges are what make life interesting. Overcoming them is what makes life meaningful. I don't actually know who that guy is, but we like the quote. Here's the three things, right? We talked about the three parts to a breakthrough strategy story and state. I think when it comes to challenges, challenges are either gonna put somebody on a springboard and take them to the next level, or challenges are gonna put you out of business and, and put you into a, into a tough place. So I think there's three, let's call them questions, that we're always subconsciously asking ourselves when challenges come about. The first question is, what am I gonna focus on? Something happens, challenge comes about, Dr. Ben, you had an awesome mom, you know, patient the other day, right? First question is, what am I going to focus on? Am I focused on what's missing, what's lacking, what's not working? Am I focusing on what I have? That's the first question. What am I going to focus on? Second question is, what does this mean? Nothing has meaning until we give it meaning. What's the meaning you give it? Is this... Uh, is this life working for me or is this life working to me, against me? Is this God punishing me or is this God challenging me to grow? What do you, what's the meaning? That's up to you. 
right? If two different challenges happen to me and Luke and I ask Luke what this means and he asks me what this means, there's probably two different answers. You control what it means. So first question, what are you going to focus on? What do I have? What's missing? What does it mean? Is this a challenge or is this growth? And the third question is, what are you going to do? Those are the three questions. What are you going to focus on? What does it mean? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You got the angry mom. What are you going to do? Bob your head and say yes, right? My best advice, what are you going to do? Be like Nike. Just do it. If anybody likes, I don't know, personal development, motivational videos, whatever you want to call it, write this one down. been listening to it since I was 19 years old. It's called Art Williams. Just do it. It's 20 minutes. I'm not going to spoil it. Watch it. Let me know what you think. But I think that's what challenges come down to, right? We're all going to have them. What do we do with them? Does this derail us? Does this grow us? What does this mean? What am I going to do? Yeah. I thought about this and uh, <coughs> I wanted to put this graphic on there. I learned this when I was, I don't know, 19 years old. If anybody doesn't know my background, like I got my start in marketing and sales and multi-level marketing. I'm sure everybody's been in like a Tupperware party before or Mary Kay, you know? No, nobody makes any money in these things, right? I actually took it and ran with it and did okay. But the point being is my upline in the top of the pyramid every day told me, the only way you fail is if you quit. The only way you fail is if you quit. And the only times people fail is because they quit too soon. Is it accurate to say that some people's marketing efforts may have an impact in their business faster than somebody else. Is that accurate? Of course it is. The only times I've had somebody fail is, is when they quit. And this is where I see a lot of practices at, at the bottom. We spent the money, we did the schools, we brought the cookies, we did the donuts, and my practice hasn't doubled. Marketing doesn't work, and they turn away. And they were two hacks away from the diamonds. Yeah. Have you ever, have you guys ever heard, um, acres of diamond? Uh, I think it's Russell Cronwell. It's an old story. So essentially there's a guy who owns a piece of land and he wants to find diamonds. That's what he wants to do. And he says, I'm going to have to travel the world because my land doesn't have diamonds. So he goes on this world tour and he dies in the process, grows old, dies, never find diamonds. Well, the guy he sold his land to is walking one day, crosses this stream on his land and sees this massive rock, picks it up, puts it, puts it on his mantle, and this guy comes over and says, what's that? And he said, well, I think it's a big crystal. Mm -hmm. The guy said, no, that's like the biggest diamond ever. And so he gets it checked out, it's a diamond, and then he becomes like a gazillionaire because his land had all these diamonds. So the principle is, you know, grass is not always greener on the other side. Oh, to grow, I got to go buy this new location. But my practice is only doing 500K. Mm -mm. I'm pretty Grass is greener sure on the other side. We got to mine this, this location before. I always tell people, hey, don't go start a new lo location until your location already rocks. So if your location is like not a proven concept, mm. going to start another one, it's probably not the best idea. Grass is greener where you water it. Right. Grass is greener where you water it. So, you know, why is resilience important? Uh, Vince Lombardi said, I don't know if he came up with this quote uh, or just said it because you hear this a lot, but it's not whether you get knocked down, it's whether you get back up. So I'm going to give a preview of what Dr. Carter Thomas is going to talk about tomorrow. Ooh. We have a very interesting story. 
uh, <laughs> goes all the, well, we think it's interesting. We'll see if, if people do. It goes all the way back to 2019. Long story short, who, who here remembers like phone calls they had five years ago? Anybody? Yeah, I mean, I had phone calls this week I don't remember, right? <laughs> I gotta like go back and look at my notes. This phone call I still vividly remember today and I was at a, an event in Nashville. I get a text message, hey, we need to talk. I go outside, make a phone call. And it was like one of the, the worst phone calls I had ever had as a business owner. It just was not good timing. I'm pretty sure we both wanted to like win this battle on the call because we're like, <laughs> you did this, you did, and like nobody won the call, right? Um, and I played this back in my head like probably hundreds of times because while I think we probably said a lot of things we didn't mean, we probably said some things that were true, right? And the truth was is HIP had really hit its first growth spurt and what had got us to that point was not gonna get us to the next point. And we started to hear things like, hey, this doesn't work like it worked for Dr. Jennifer. This doesn't work like it worked for Ed Wentz or like Fishbine. How do we make that happen, right? And certainly there's a lot of things that we don't do, but we took a step back, not only from Dr. Carter Thomas, but a few other situations and said, how do we improve? How do we bring accountability and transparency to what we do so we can really bolster up our framework? And I don't think anyone, I know I didn't think this, but you know, you came back this year after some people helped massage the relationship and Kyle Sparkman's like, you need to talk to, to Carter. I'm like, do we know the same Carter? Cause I'm pretty <laughs> sure I don't, uh, but we did. And we, we linked up and worked things out. Um, and, you know, he's become, and his practice and team have become one of the biggest case studies to date with HIP. And I'll, I'll let him kind of tell the story tomorrow. But imagine if I would have been like, you know what? I suck. This is terrible. I'm just going to go hop into a new vertical. I'm going to go water grass somewhere else. And luckily, thank God, we just took a step back and said, no, we're going to make this work. This is a niche that we're doing well in. We know that we can make this work. We've just got to look at it from a different perspective and get better, right? And so failure is part of the process. You know, the first four years of HIP, I was hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. I lived in an apartment complex owned by my father-in-law. And it's like, man, is this it? You know what I mean? And I could have just been like, I'm done with this. I'm gonna go get a job. But you, little by li little, you catch that momentum and it carries you and then look what happened. You know, today we have hundreds of clients and it's, it's not me, um, it's the whole team that makes up HIP that makes this happen. But, you know, I think first to go back to believing, if I didn't believe it was possible, if Justin didn't believe it was possible, if Harrison came on board and didn't believe it was possible, it wouldn't have happened. And it's the long game, right? I just said that was like four years of like going through what I thought was hell, you know, to, to make this business actually get some life and win in our sales. Uh, and I know a lot of agency owners that quit. I know a lot of agency owners that hop, they've been in like 200 verticals. And it's like, I don't want that to be me. I wanna go deep. I wanna understand everything about the business. And that's what we did. Um, and I think it takes some mental toughness. Um, but you know, obviously that builds character and, and grit and you're gonna need it if you wanna be uh, a success. So how do you take inventory of yourself? Um, does anybody know people who are like delusional? 
you know, you meet this person and it's like, this person is like nuts. Like, <laughs> can they hear themselves? Um, I hope that's not me, right? And so I'm always, I'm always thinking, and I, I don't know if you guys consider yourself your worst critic, but I think I am. Some days I'm like, man, you know, people are telling me, you know, congratulations. And I'm like, I haven't done anything. You know, I'm, st I'm still like, you know, I, I think, and, and how can I grow? And how can I get better? And I think th this, this uh, quote says it best, the unexamined life is not worth living. When, when I had that conversation with Carter, what if I would have just flushed it down the toilet and been like, screw you. I'm never thinking about this again. But like, it's okay to sit on things that happen that are bad and say like, where is the truth in this? How am I actually gonna grow and get better? And that's self-reflection. Take the time to think about it. Get feedback from people. You know, I think you got to be careful who you get feedback from. A mm. lot of people are, have the wrong inputs or no inputs. And so if somebody isn't on higher ground, if they're not accomplished, they may not be the right person to listen to. But this kind of goes back to, to show me your friends and show you your future it reminds me of that. I think it's very important who you hang around. Who are you spending your time with? You know, the Fishbine team, they recruit within. And that's kind of cool because you know, oh, some of our team members are spending time with this person. Like we can kind of trust this process. Maybe not everybody can do that. Um, but I think that that's pretty neat. And you've got to make changes. Like I said, we kind of changed everything and overhauled everything um, starting in 2018 and through COVID. And we're still making changes. Like half the people in the back of the room at HIP are new. You know, that's a completely new role in HIP. And so You've got to listen and be plugged in and, and know how to make the right changes. Um, and that starts really with taking inventory. So about three months ago, we, we completely re-engineered like our, like our sales pitch. So anybody here that was on a call with me, we talked about you know practice speaking and Facebook ads and all this kind of stuff. But we really engineered our, our pitch at this point to start speaking to people's character. Anybody can do marketing. Right, but we're not a good fit for everybody. Not everybody's a good fit for us. We wanted to like really create something that was polarizing and the right people were gonna be drawn to it and the wrong people were gonna say, you know, you guys are unethical or something like that and then they leave and that's a blessing. So uh, <laughs> what does it come down to? I think, you know, between my time and Luke's time and all the team's time, working with hundreds of different doctors and all different walks of life, We've kind of identified like two avatars, if you will, two types of orthodontists, two types of practitioners, if you will. The first one is what we call the status quo orthodontist. The second one is what we call the easy grower. You guys said I could be candid with you, right? All right. So who's the status quo? What's the status quo orthodontist? Well, first off, I should say, we got to soften it a little bit. Yeah, so soften that up a little we'll bit. Put a little icing on here. <laughs> um, what, uh, let's start off by saying there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a status quo orthodontist, if that's who you want to be. The status quo orthodontist is already a highly, highly accomplished individual, right? You, you don't get through orthodontic residency by being a dummy and a slacker, right? You had to graduate top of your... I used to think you had to graduate top of your class in undergrad. Thank you, Dr. Jacobs. He educated me on the golf course. You actually don't need to go to undergrad to go to dental school. Did you know that? 
Or you don't have to graduate, excuse me. All right, so either way, you had to get top grades in dental school, you busted your butt through residency. I mean, gosh, what's the average practice, the average status quo practice do in America? Like 1.5 million, yeah. right? If you're running at healthy margins, you ain't living a bad life as a status quo doc, right? You can do what you want, you can travel, put your kids through nice college, right? I have a feeling, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think anybody's in this room because they want to be average. All right, good. So what is the status quo orthodontist? Status quo orthodontist, I think it really is a mindset. Yeah. And the mindset really comes down to this. If it needs to be done, and it needs to be done right, it needs to be done by me because I'm the smartest person in the room. I went to more schooling than anybody. Yeah, anybody maybe ever worked as an associate? Can you think of somebody like that? Right? Status quo is uh, typically a pretty defeatist mindset sometimes. Doesn't mean they're negative, but it's always finding what's wrong, why it can't work. Status quo orthodontists, most of the time they don't have a energy giving state that like is attractive to be around. They suck your energy. It's like, dude, just open your eyes for a minute, you know? Now what's the easy grower? Hmm. Ah. There's one. Dr. Ben Fishbein. <laughs> Could you stand up please real quick? Please give it up for Dr. Ben Fishbein. And Thank you for playing along, but one of the best things I ever heard from Dr. Ben, and please correct me if I'm paraphrasing this incorrectly, is I said, Dr. Ben, what was one of your secrets? And he said, do you know where I'm going with this? He has no idea I was bringing him, by the way. You said, the only things I want to do in my practice are the things that my orthodontic license requires me to do. Everything else, I don't want to hear about it, touch it, delegate it, just keep us in a healthy profit margin and I'll be in the clinic. Yeah? I want someone better than me. Right. Right. Doing it because I'm, I'm good at orthodontic. I'm okay at orthodontic. <laughs> the other stuff is done way better by this amazing group. Right. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Right. This is the easy grower. When I think of easy grower, I think of Dr. Ben Fishbein. I didn't go to school for that stuff. There's people that are better at sales than me. There's people that are better at management than me. There's better people that are better X, Y, and Z than me. I don't care how many years of school I went to, grades I got, I wanna be an orthodontist and that's it. What does the status quo person say? I have to be in charge of management. I have to be in charge of HROL. I have to be in charge of payroll. I have to be in charge of collections or maybe they get a little naughty and like have their wife do collections, right? <laughs> Really, really dance yeah, with the devil I mean, on this I th one. I think the big thing there is like, how, how do you grow if you don't have people around you that you can trust to help you grow? Right. You know what I mean? Like if you're, every single person we know that does that, they stay small so all the time. So to wrap this section up, I think if I was to categorize what status quo is, if we look at strategy, story, and state. Status quo typically have a pretty low state. The story they tell themselves is very uninspiring on why they can't do something. Negative. And their strategy is a reflection of it. What's an easy grower? 
this whole corner over here and the fish bind doctors back there and my my buddy uh dr thomas back there and dr jacobs i'm not going to keep going right but what is an easy grower you guys have met the fish bind team if you haven't i don't know what you're doing they're here to talk to you they don't bite i don't think mate watch out for eliza i don't know yeah she's spicy watch out for eliza right but what what's the common denominator with all these awesome people they have a good state they have inspiring stories on why they can get shit done right and look at the strategy you guys saw it today that's easy grower so if you guys want to emulate easy grower spend your time with these people at the short amount of time that we do and uh well, that doesn't mean we're done. And that doesn't mean that growing is going to be easy. That's not why we call it the easy grower. It's a good it's, point. It's approached in a way good where you can actually help someone grow and help other people grow. I can keep this slide very, very simple and very easy, right? Between me and Luke and the Fishbine team and all these awesome people in here, I think tactically, mechanically, we can teach you all the stuff. We can teach sales and phone calls and consults and strategies, scripting, I mean, the list goes on and on. There's one thing that nobody in this room can teach. I can't teach desire. Can't teach it. You can try, you slap them in the face, business is going down the toilet, I still can't teach desire, you know? And I think that is really the, the theme of all of this, right? You wanna, you wanna get in a good state and get in a cold plunge at 6.30 in the morning, What's the, what's the driving decision behind that? Do you freaking want it or not? It's your desire, all right? I can't want it more than you want it for yourself. It'll never work. So how do you make an impact on someone if you can't impact or, or grow yourself? You know, I think you have to lead by example. I, I can remember when Dr. Ben was like showing up and working on Saturdays and like mm. spending all these, this time working. How do you think his team would respond it if he was like working one day a week? trying to hit this massive goal, right? Probably wouldn't work, right? <laughs> um, you know, you hear all these people who are trying to do these hacks. I just read one the other day, this book. Uh, it was at Mike Stanzik's house. I went to California. It and it was like, how to only work six hours a week. And this guy who owns like 600 businesses and I'm, he's writing it from the stance of where he's at now and like the 20 years he had to go through. The problem is all these young entrepreneur people are believing it. And like, I see all these friends posting about it, but he doesn't tell you the journey hmm. of the 20 years it took him to get there. He just spun it as a marketing angle to sell a bunch of books, you know? And I just think that, you know, there is no shortcut. Yes, there's a smarter strategy, but building something that is worthwhile, it's going to be hard. It's going to be blood, sweat, and tears. It's going to take time and you got to lead by example. I'm remember, uh, remembering this story, um, uh, I, if you know me, I talk about athletes, even though I don't play any sports, it's kind of <laughs> weird. Uh, but uh, I guess I'm like living through these people or trying to. I used to watch every video of Kobe Bryant, every interview I could possibly watch with him. And there's a documentary, I forget what it's called, um, but it's on the Olympic team that he was on when Coach K was the coach. This was probably 15 years ago. And they're in Vegas for the summer to condition for the Olympics. Like the first night, the whole team goes out and like, it's like a rage fest in Vegas. Like the entire team just goes ham in Vegas <laughs> as many people do. And not Kobe. Kobe does not do that. If you know anything about him, 
they come into the hotel, they're staying at the Wynn at 5 a.m. and Kobe's got his gym bag and they said, hey, Kobe, where are you going? He said, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to, to train. Well, the next day, the whole team was with them and they did that all summer. And Coach K said it had this ripple effect because Kobe was leading by example and we went and smashed everybody in the Olympics and took home the gold. And so I just think that's huge. You, you guys have a chance, you know, orthodontist team members to lift people up, whether it's orthodontist, you know, employing your team, you can bring them along, whether it's your team, uh, you know, bringing along patients. I mean, you have an opportunity to create this ripple effect of positive change. And so that story with Kobe, it just, just kind of stuck out to me. Just quick, I'm curious, has anybody ever been to a Tony Robbins event? One, two? All right, I'm just curious. Um, if you guys go watch some of his stuff, you may possibly, potentially see a lot of crossover in like everything I just talked about. So <laughs> got to give all the, all the glory to Uncle Tony. But, um, <laughs> but I, I do want to wrap up with this, this concept. It, it comes from Tony. I, I don't know, you know, maybe that's not your cup of tea. I can tell you he had a tremendous impact on my life when I was 19 years old and I had no idea where I was going, and I heard it, he dropped out of school, and my first business failed. He had a big impact on me, but the very first conference I went to, he, he I've been to three or four of them now. Uh, it's something that always stuck with me. So Luke was talking about growth, we're talking about impact, and I'm gonna hopefully put a bow on all this. And one of the most memorable things I, I learned and remember from Tony Robbins, or what he talks about, are the six human needs. Anybody ever heard of these things? Awesome. Good. All right. Well, I'm not Tony, so go watch his videos and you can get the full gamut, but hopefully I can give you some nuggets to take home. So what Tony says is he says that in every single human being, there's six needs that every human being is going to find a way to meet in some way, shape, or form. These are things so deep-seated in our psyche, it, they will never go away. It's part of our brain. There's six needs. The first need that every human being will find some way to meet in their life is the need for certainty. Certainty. For example, baseline example. If everybody here was not certain that the roof wasn't going to fall down on top of us right now, would anybody be able to be in a good state and stay focused right now? Right? Because we're uncertain. Right? So at some level, we need Certainty, that could be our finances, that could be our relationships, that could be our business. But in some way, shape, or form, everybody's going to meet their need of certainty. Now, here's the thing, is in these six needs, there's ways to meet these needs in an unhealthy way. Okay? When we see these crazy things on the news, I guarantee you what's going on is they're trying to meet one of these needs and they're doing it in an unhealthy way. So that's the first need is the need for certainty. The second need is the need for uncertainty. Variety, right? Imagine if every day you felt like you were just walking down a treadmill. We'd be bored. Now, some people need more variety than others. Somebody on the extreme end, how are they going to get their variety and their uncertainty? They might go, uh, I don't know, skydiving, jump out of a plane. 50-50 shot, we make it, you know? That's uncertainty. That's variety. Maybe somebody more on the conservative end. Maybe you have like that one movie that you watch every single year seeing if you can get like one new joke from it, right? That's a need for variety. Is this making sense? 
All right. The third need is the need for love and or connection, right? Some people may fill this need by getting married and starting a family. Maybe on a more conservative end, you get a dog, right? <laughs> Tony says, don't get a cat for connection. Get a dog. Dogs are excited to see you. Cats aren't. Cats are cool. You're not getting connection from a cat, right? But you need some sort of connection. And the fourth need, the, the fourth core need is the need for significance. In some way, shape, or form, we all want to feel important, we want to feel needed, we want to feel like we've been able to, I don't know, help somebody in some sort of way, all right? Maybe you get your significance by being an orthodontist and seeing some kid who's been bullied or that's unconfident and you were the impact in their life and now you feel significant because you were that person. So those are the four core needs. Everybody will find a way to meet these needs. Certainty, uncertainty, love and connection, and significance. Now the last two needs are the needs of the spirit, right? One of the most impactful things I heard Tony say is he said, achieving a goal, achieving success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. Right? You have the science of achievement. Anybody here that's a high achiever, once you've figured out how to do it, it's a science equation. We open the office, we do the consults, we get the braces on, we can achieve. But then on the other side is the art of fulfillment. You guys ever been around extremely wealthy people? Billionaires, maybe multi-millionaires, they got a private jet, but they're like the most unhappy people in the world? You ever met somebody like this? What a shame. Why do they feel this way? Why do they have everything they can ever need, but they still operate in a poor state? It's because they haven't met the last two needs of the spirit. And the last two needs of the spirit, number one, are growth. You gotta feel like you're growing. There's no such thing as a plateau. What is a plateau? It's a slow decline, right? If you ain't growing, you're shrinking. Right? We got to feel like we're growing. Well, how do you grow? You got to grow yourself first. Luke talked about this. Look in the mirror. One of my favorite quotes of all time says that in order to help people up, you must first be on higher ground. Okay? And then the second need of the Spirit is the need for contribution or impact. The happiest people that I know in my life, they find a way to contribute. It could be in a small way to their family. It could be in a bigger way to their community. It could be in a bigger way to their state, to the world. But they found a way to make a positive impact on other people's lives. It's not just for the paycheck. And that's what I kind of want to leave you guys with is, number one, take an inventory of yourself. All right? Everybody out of these six needs, everybody is going to kind of uh, prioritize one of these. Right? There's people who are got to have the significance. There's people who have to feel certain. There's those crazy people who have to go jump out of an airplane to feel excitement. Where do you play? What's your biggest need? There is no right or wrong, but what's your driving force, right? And once we've identified that, let's figure out how we can start finding the needs of our spirit, which is growing and finding a way to make growth and contribution to your community. So we'll leave you guys with this quote, Jackie Robinson, a life is not important except in the impact that it has on other lives. So thanks so much. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about HIP, 
or any of the topics in this episode, send an email to hello at hipcreativeinc.com. That's hello at hipcreativeinc.com or jump over to our website at hip.agency.